0: He's number three on the American Film Institute's list of best villains. But is he more compelling before or after the prequel trilogy was released? That's right, on today's show, we're digging deeper into Darth Vader. What's up, Story Geeks? It's Jay Shear, author of the time travel novel Time Slingers. Joining me on today's show, Helen O'Hara from the Empire Podcast, and hosting this show. Daryl Smith, the oldest geek in the room. This is episode four in our Star Wars series. We still have a ton of Star Wars content coming, so make sure you subscribe. on your preferred podcast provider. Thanks for listening in. The Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. Let's dig deeper into Darth Vader.
1: Is this our first character focus we've done on a Villain, quote unquote. Yeah, I think
0: it is, oh, character cool. focus on a villain. Yeah. All right.
1: Well, Helen, you're here to guide us through it. So, <laughs> we're, you are our only hope. <laughs> um, so, we are going to talk Darth Vader. Okay. And I guess by default, that means we're also going to talk a little bit of Anakin Skywalker. But that's right. Yeah. Let's be honest. I'm leaning mostly towards Darth Vader here.
2: <laughs> that seems reasonable.
1: Yes. I think so too. So, just starting off, uh, just the big high level question. Where does Darth Vader stand in our Star Wars character ranks? Do we love him, do we hate him? Do we think he deserves his reputation as one of the all-time greatest cinematic villains? Uh, Helen, why don't you kick us off on this?
2: Uh, Complicated question. So I feel like uh, in terms of does he deserve a reputation as a great villain, I think on the basis of the original trilogy, yes yes a thousand times yes like he's so good in that trilogy even with only a couple of minutes of screen time in the first film he just dominates to such a degree and, and he just fires your imagination and you get so kind of obsessed with him um which of course leads to the whole mess with the prequels which we'll we'll get into um, <laughs> but but I feel like uh, yeah as a he is a great villain is he one of my you know sort of three or five favorite Star Wars characters? Probably not. I mean, you guys know this about me by now. I don't tend to love villains so much. Um, they don't tend to be my absolute favorite people. Right. Um, I mean, you know, every so often somebody like a kingpin in Daredevil season one, oh, so you good. know, yeah. I went, I was nuts about him. I was absolutely nuts about him even while, you know, seeing him as a terrible, terrible person. Um, but it's pretty rare and so yeah in my personal ranking he would not be up at the very top
1: mm. top 20 5 uh, yeah
2: i mean i'd have to yeah he'd have to be in there because like just because of the, the sort of iconic nature of him yeah. he would have to be but um but not not like super super high otherwise
1: above jar jar
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's fair. Okay. That's fair. That <laughs> you.
0: Jay, what do you think? Well, actually, Helen, as a follow-up question, because um, I don't tend to have a lot of villains at the top of my list either, but if you were to rank villains even outside the Star Wars universe, mm. where would he appear in that ranking?
1: Uh, you guys I did that, be, didn't you?
2: Didn't you uh, do some we, version of that? We, we have done that for Empire, yeah. yeah. I mean, then I guess he's probably in my top, I don't know, 20, certainly. Okay. Um okay uh i don't know where I, I, yeah. I I'm very bad at lists i'm really yeah bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel the same way
0: I feel the same I was making a list last night and I left two movies out of it that were part of the Star Wars like <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> I'm like, what, what happened here um yeah for me, I would also say that he's definitely not in the top five even right. uh, of Star Wars characters. I agree with helen that like there's a there's a big difference between how we see him in the original trilogy versus then how he appears in the prequels. I don't necessarily have an issue with what George Lucas was trying to do. Obviously mm-hmm. George as a writer or as a creator has a lot of fascination with Anakin Skywalker and Vader, And it's put a lot of importance on top of him. I mean, even, even, uh, this even Disney has kind of leaned into that by having Kylo like, you know, just really love him so much. Um, so I think George is probably like, "Wow, I'm so compelled by this. I should write about it some more." And he has <laughs> all the money in the world to do it." But like, I, I think that when you do explore a character like that in more depth, when the, when the mystery is there, we fill in the blanks. Yeah, and we fill in the blanks with whatever we think is is the most fascinating thing. If somebody else fills in the blanks for you, then you go. Oh, that's not how I would have filled in the blanks. And then it I just I don't care that away. he doesn't like sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So I think that it's really hard to maintain a really good mysterious character by revealing mm-hmm. more backstory, and that's essentially yeah. what they did.
1: And that's yeah. not. It's harder that way. Well, that's I, I another question we have, so we can get yeah. to that. Go ahead.
2: Okay. No, no. Let's let's wait and get to that.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I'll take I'll take us there now. I'll just say real fast for my my personal ranking of Vader probably top ten maybe somewhere between six and ten yeah i think yeah um i've been pretty vocal that my favorite is kylo and that still stands that's right right. oh yeah so i guess i do like villains actually yeah that is that's the other villain
2: i went nuts for actually yeah yeah
1: Yeah. he's great okay but let's get into the backstory thing so um you know Mm. we origin in the original trilogy we had a mysterious vader and then like we've said the prequels came along and gave us uh an emo little kid that hates sand and <laughs> and, and is, has no relational boundaries whatsoever. No. <laughs> but dude can pod race. Like dude nobody's can pod race, business. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, I feel like I know the answer to this question, but we'll dig into <laughs> it. The question is, do we prefer having a backstory for Vader or do we wish it was still a mystery? Mm. Um, so yeah, Helen, go for it.
2: Yeah, this is something I've talked about a bit on the Empire podcast. I hate uh villain prequel backstories i hate them (laughs) i absolutely have no time for almost any of them um there's you know a couple that have not actively damaged the character but i don't think there are any that have really benefited anybody by their existence and the star wars prequels are obviously exhibits a b and c in that case because i think you get exactly enough backstory for vader in empire and jedi you mm. get the idea that this was a good man who fell into darkness you get the idea that there's still maybe some shred of that man in there and of course that comes through in the end that is a tragedy that is uh, an intriguing setup and i get the urge to do more and say more and that urge is almost always bad it does not lead to good things and you know you look at every, almost every villain In the AFI's list of the top movie villains I don't know if you've if you've seen that but like I think the top seven or eight now have all been prequelized and rejigged in some fashion I mean the the alien I guess oh yeah well the aliens in there and that's that's questionable but even then alien covenant had the alien being made by a creation of humanity so it's kind of the seed of our own undoing. And that's almost a more sympathetic backstory almost even for the alien, for God's sake, never yeah. mind the fact that we've got, you know, there's a prequel in the, in the works of TV show for nurse ratchet from one Fly over the cuckoo's nest. Um, <laughs> you know, all of these villains, a uh, Hannibal Lecter had a backstory where it's all the fault of the Nazis for killing his sister during the war. Right. Yeah. But he's Hannibal Lecter. He's a bad he eats person. People. <laughs> he eats people. Come on. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. So, I just, I don't, I don't agree. I, even Velociraptors in the in the Jurassic Park sequels, suddenly now they're our friends?
3: Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't be having
2: funny. with it. So, that's so funny. yeah, I, I don't think uh, the backstory was a good idea. I can absolutely understand why a studio and a filmmaker would think it was a good idea. Um, but even then, if you start with a, an adorable blonde kid to make him the baddest bad guy in the galaxy, you have given yourself... Way too much to do in only three films, and it just doesn't work.
3: Mm.
0: By the way, just for just for the sake of saying what the list is, it Mm. is uh, AFI's list of villains. Number one, Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Number two, Norman Bates. Number three, Darth Vader. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So so far, we're three for three. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, Four, Wicked Witch of the West. So we're four for four now. Wicked, yeah. Yeah. Nurse Ratchet.
2: Again, there's a prequel is there really? coming.
0: Is there really? There oh is a, a Nurse Ratched TV
2: show with Sarah Paulson.
0: Oh, wow. Uh, six is Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, there, <laughs> <That'd> be- <laughs> there.
2: he stands alone. That's good. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that'd be a funny back <laughs> <Maybe> that's <laughs> Maybe that's what we need. Alex Forrest from Fatal Attraction. Okay, I've she's never, never had. Attraction. Yeah,
2: haven't. she she's she she got a bad rap in a rap in that film, and she's never had a redo. So uh, mm. yeah, that one that one stands. That one I'll give uh, you.
0: Phyllis Dietrichson Dietrichson from uh, Double Indemnity, which that would I mm. I, I need that to go back and good. watch that movie. That's yeah, that's a great movie. So that's yeah, that's, a, that's a ways back. Yeah. Um, Reagan McNeil from The Exorcist. Oh.
2: I mean, it's really Pazuzu, though, right? So. Yes,
0: correct. Yes, it even has a. It even has a as possessed by <laughs> Pazuzu. Yeah. Yeah. and and
2: there are, you know. Exorcist prequels, not as well, although in fairness, they don't make, I guess, the demon a good guy. So I guess that one stands. <laughs> yeah,
0: that would be kind of funny, too. It's
1: like, before he's fallen, he's just, <laughs> well, yeah. he's just kind of a rascal in heaven. The <laughs> oh, Exorcist. <laughs> I, I didn't see The Exorcist until I was in my 20s, uh-huh. and I would pay good money to have those memories wiped from my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's
0: funny. And then last one is that number 10, The Evil Queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Ah, uh, she's creepy. Yeah, she's
2: yeah, she's still probably waiting for her redo. So we're yeah, exactly.
0: Disney Plus, they're gonna announce it. Yeah, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Although there's Uh, been a bit of her getting a um in once uh once upon a time right, she's had a little bit more sympathy. mm, So even there, that's a good
0: point. Yeah, that's a good mm -hmm. point. I didn't even think of that. Um, so. Why is he? What do I like him in the prequels? Does it help? Does it not? <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I took us off on a total tangent. That's okay, list, but we like um, those. I, I, uh, here's the here's part of the problem, I think, with the Vader turn. I think Helen is 100% right, so there's no disagreement there. I think that when a writer falls in love with a character. Mm. And then they go, they communicate to you that that character, by the end of the film, has found some form of redemption, despite the fact that we thought that they were one of the most evil people in the galaxy. Um, And you can see, like, he added an extra evil person to the galaxy just so he had somebody (laughs) to get rid of, right? Um, In The Emperor. And uh, I think that there's, there's kind of this thing in the back of your head, like, well, I want people to know this character and why this character, I think, maybe even deserves a little bit of redemption. But the problem is, I think that he actually fought against himself in doing the prequels. Because I don't think mm-hmm, you yeah. look at the prequels and go, mm-hmm. oh yeah, let's redeem that guy. You know, yeah. like, um, <laughs> He kills younglings, dude. Yeah. Every time I think of it, it's like, <laughs> you see the little kid's face looking up at him when he steps into the room to, to destroy all the younglings? It's terrifying. Uh, um, so it would be hard to show you that scene and then be like, oh yeah, let me show you the scene at the end of, of Jedi. Uh, pretty rough. So no, I don't think the prequels help out that much. I, I'm not a prequels hater. Um, I think that the third film, especially, is pretty good. Pretty good film, but it is. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it
1: helps out with Vader's character per se.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm a prequels hater. <laughs> <laughs> I like. <laughs> I like a lot of the concepts. I really do, and. I really wish we could go back in time and have somebody else polish up the scripts and direct mm-hmm. the films. Because mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that would be. Way it would have been a completely different experience, but um, and rely less on CGI. Mm. But anyhow, yeah. I think, I think for me there is a point mm-hmm. during the prequels at yeah. which they should have stopped, mm. and mm-hmm. giving us a history of Vader would have been absolutely awesome. Oh. And that point is before the Phantom Menace came out. When we saw the poster of little Jake Lloyd casting a Darth <laughs> oh, Vader shadow yeah, 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 onto yeah. the Tatooine hut, or whatever.
2: Yeah, that was that That's was an incredible poster. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was really great. <laughs> but but I just you know giving your giving us Jade, Jake Lloyd to start with, never mind his acting ability because he was very young and you know I'm sure he could have gone on to be Lawrence Olivier of all all things being equal, starting from an adorable blonde child. It just is it's an impossible journey to get from that to yeah. the Darth Vader that was in our heads in 3 films. I don't mm. think there's any number of films that would get you there and feel really satisfying. Yeah. I really don't.
1: And yeah, it's totally. It's such a hard mountain to climb because mm. like you said, he ends he ends up with redemption at the end of Jedi. Yeah. So we already have that arc. Exactly. Yeah. And so we have to have some sort of satisfying transition into him becoming an absolute bastard yeah. of a villain exactly but and they think, don't th- do that in the prequel. they don't like, do that no. he's still like lucas still wants to kind of make him a hero so he yeah. makes it this tragic thing and yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. i think you could have
2: done that i think you could have done that in some way but you you would have had to start with almost a. um you could have started with the kind of anakin we see in the third film and, and the guy who's frustrated with the war and feels like he's got a better way to wage it and feels like you know, his superiors don't know what they're doing, that guy could, could have the best of intentions and turn into Darth Vader.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: but, the, but the adorable tot in the first film and the surly <laughs> teen in the second film <laughs> don't get us anywhere closer to that transition. They're just annoying people to be following.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And you don't get either. You don't get the um, like the Aladdin vibe, where it's kind of like, yeah. "Hey, I'm fighting against these like bigger powers, and I'm just kind of yeah. doing my thing." And there's 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 probably a quick turn there that you could make into, well, now I'm fighting against them in a really aggressive way. Um, yeah. But Yeah, you know, you don't get that at all like, like Helen saying you get the little adorable blonde kid That's like, oh, you know, too bad my mom and I are slaves, you know, and you're like, oh, well, this is horrific
1: Now I'm rooting yeah. for
0: this kid and then
1: by the third movie you're still like, oh, I'm just so confused, you know So yeah. the third film should have been called Revenge of the Street Rat <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. buy Different. that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Exactly Oh, I love it aye, aye, aye. <laughs> uh, Okay Um well, okay, so a lot of let's go back to Vader now, away mm. from Anakin. We'll, co- we'll we'll do a little bit more Anakin, but um, yeah, I, I want to go back to this other question. Much of Vader's reputation for being menacing in the original trilogy, at least, comes from people talking about him, yeah. right? Mm. It's saying he's this you know this big bad force of darkness. Yeah, and we see him choke a few people out with the force, and that's cool. Yeah. But he doesn't do a whole lot until that badass lightsaber in the corridor scene from Rogue One. Mm. Mm. So I'm just curious, do you guys wish that we had more of a physical presence from Vader during the original trilogy?
2: I kind of like what we get. I like the idea that we just have these, essentially, three jewels. Um, you know, him versus Obi-Wan, him versus Luke, and then kind of him versus Luke slash the Emperor. I think that kind of feels like enough. I mean, you, you you do get him obviously in the in the Tie Fighter or whatever it is you call yeah. his his particular fighter, which I know has a different name, and I don't want to get it wrong. Um, <laughs> but you know, he, you, so you get the sense that he's also a pilot, he's also a force, you know, behind a gun. But but I feel like that's just enough. I feel like the, the, you know this tendency to to feel like we have to see our villain do everything at every turn I I don't think is true I think if you look at I think if you compare him to say Thanos in the most recent couple of Avengers movies he has his fight scenes um, but also he just stands around and terrifies people quite a lot and that works pretty well too
0: yeah yeah in fact it's interesting because there are some moments in films, like we've talked about some of the moments in, in the MCU films, where mm. there are these really visual moments. You know, the portal scene is, a, is especially visual. That's and why like we have
1: compelling, eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think Thank you for that one, Helen, my wife, and I quote that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that uh, part
0: of the issue is that there are the, the threat or the potential threat of someone losing it Mm-hmm. is almost more intimidating yeah. than them actually losing it. Yeah. Um. And so I think when you see Vader on screen, it's like, this guy is pretty self-controlled, but imagine if he wasn't. Yeah. It yeah. would be insanity, you know what I mean? Um. And I think you kind of, you a little bit start to ruin it if you start to, when you start to showcase it. Now, Rogue One, I think, handles it just fine because he doesn't really do anything. Well. Yeah, too, too terrible. But there are some of the books that I've read where it's like, vader's moving actual star destroyers with the force and you're like what is going on <laughs> i'm not saying he couldn't do it but all of a sudden you create this environment where you're like well why doesn't he just do this more often in more circumstances and yeah. why is i don't understand Like it doesn't make sense so i think um the threat of it is fantastic in the original trilogy and then i think that rogue one just capitalizes on the what if you were just to kind of unleash it all at once and yeah. none of it is so big and so crazy that it blows everything up like some of the books do
2: exactly well,
1: neither of you took my bait i, I thought you were going to say <laughs> oh yeah we should have had more i'm like no no you're wrong like, <laughs> <laughs> no that was a gotcha question <laughs> no i mean no. Not you're really. wrong but no i agree i agree with you both i think uh, I, I think it does kind of make him more menacing that he's so stoic and mm. yeah. doesn't have to exert himself that much to, to make everybody fear him. Right. Yeah. And then we, if we, if he did have it, then we wouldn't get the impact of that Rogue One scene. Yeah. You yeah. Know, which yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Was so satisfying. All right, I have two more Anakin questions, and then I swear <laughs>
2: we're
1: we're done. I won't mention the little Full twerp Vader. again. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we've already we've talked a lot about the low points of Anakin. Were there any high points for you? Of of looking at Anakin in the prequels.
2: I mean the the pod race, I guess, in the first film. Um mm-hmm. yeah. uh, there are there are moments probably in Attack of the Clones, not very many of them and none that immediately spring to mind, but I'm pretty sure he did some cool action stuff. Um, and then in the third one, like there are some there are some scenes that would work better if everything else had worked better before it, you know. I, I you know, his his confrontation with Obi-Wan I think more because Ewan McGregor sells it than because uh, anybody else does. But you know, th- there is that sense of these two having been friends and having been torn apart and now finding mm. themselves on opposing sides, and and I that that isn't a bad scene, I think.
3: Mm.
2: Um, but just so much of it is kind of disappointing. I mean, did we want? And <laughs> I mean, we we kind of know that you know Vader's all, all screwed up and he's in this kind of suit and everything else, but. Did we want to know his? He literally had his arms and legs cut off because that's yeah. really hard to sell. That visual <laughs> is not one that really works for me. That doesn't. That doesn't make me think Dark Lord of the Sith. That makes me think, oh my goodness, this poor guy. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's a really it's a weird journey. That I. Ugh. Yeah. It should have been so much more. If they were going to do it, it should have been much more.
1: It's way easier to find lows. Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is
2: because
1: a I, lot I, of the highs don't have him involved. You right. Know. You're right. Exactly, yes. Exactly. True. It's like the lightsaber battle between Qui-Gon and Darth Jewel Maul. Jewel of yeah, the Fates. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah I think um, I, man, besides the pod race, but even if you were to take the pod race, like I was making a joke earlier about how great of a pod racer he was. But technically speaking, he's not the best part of that pod race. right? Like mm. <laughs> there's the pod race is cool just because the pod race is cool. The sounds are the best part yeah, of the Yeah, Well, it's very true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would I I'm struggling to find any really really high moments but as I try and think of high moments, I continue to think of really low moments yeah I mean there's just like I think that George Lucas was writing a character that he did not fully understand or mm-hmm. that had experiences that he had that he was trying to shove into a character where those experiences don't fit, fit with yeah and I it just comes off as really <laughs> awkward. It comes off really awkward when the first time you meet um Padme and you and, and Anakin meets Padme, there's a gigantic age difference between the two of them, yeah. which isn't that big of a deal until Anakin tells you in the second film that like, I've been thinking about you ever since I was 10. You know, and you're like, what? What is, it, what is going on here? You know, um, the, the journey he goes on, which I can see George thinking like, well, what about obsession? And how do you think about obsession? And this is a character who's gonna be obsessed. But how that gets then portrayed on screen through mm. Darth Vader's character journey is a really important thing and a really hard thing to handle, and I don't know that it's handled the way that it should be. And you already mentioned it. I mean, I don't think anybody's. I, I think George Lucas is one of the best producers in the history of film. I do not think he is going to get director awards for the rest of no. his career, right?
2: No, or so, writer yeah. awards. I mean, it's the yeah. dialogue that really kills me. I think. I think these these films could have worked better if the dialogue weren't so kind of basic and I I feel like you know the first Star Wars film first of all it's the first of its kind you know he had a really clear idea of what he wanted to do I think and it's something he'd been working on for years um so that that one he kind of got away with um Mm. but every other Star Wars film that worked he had other people basically coming in and making the dialogue good you know and he didn't really do that on the prequels and it shows (laughs)
3: that's so true
2: Um, the, the old line about you can type this but you can't say it you know it's true like you really none of this kind of rings true none of it feels terribly human a lot of the time and and when it does feel human it mostly feels annoying
3: <laughs> yeah and you're and you
0: really lucked out too because i i've seen a few interviews with the original cast mm. and and i've watched some of the original audition tapes too which are which are out there you can find and um like carrie fisher I think he got people who either were super earnest in, like, Mark Hamill, which is like, just give me the lines, and I'm the innocent kid, and I'm going to deliver these lines in earnest. Or people like Harrison Ford, who's like, screw you, dude. I'm going to do it my way. Well, (laughs) pretty much. Like, kind of like, I'm going to treat this as a giant kind of half joke. Which, is, which falls in alignment with his character, which makes it yeah, fine. Absolutely. And, and then, and Carrie Fisher is kind of the same way. And so they handle dialogue. If you listen to some of the other audition tapes, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a yeah. disaster. Yeah. You know, like um so he he really uh, did luck out in the casting which yeah. he did not luck out in in the prequels besides yeah. besides like like helen pointed out um ewan mcgregor is fantastic and yeah. ian mcdermott just seems to kind of get the emperor so yeah. he's great too but besides those you're like uh there's a lot of good actors not doing a lot of good work yeah
2: yeah i, I just feel like he needed a, he needed a script doctor he genuinely could have usefully brought in carrie fisher to go mm. through his scripts. I mean, cause she script doctored for years and she's hilarious and she could have, you know, punched some of that up a bit, but just not just in character, but like, as like I said, in terms of story, start off with a freaking adult, man, Jesus. Yeah. And, and, and you would have instantly made it. And I know that these are meant to be kids films as well, but there are other ways of making kids happy than having a child hero. There, there really are. I mean, look at Ray, you know, she's old enough to have experiences and she's old enough to have a point of view and a character but she's and but but kids still really relate to her and love watching her there, there is a line that you can walk that doesn't involve having an eight-year-old hero falling in love with a 14-year-old heroine
1: yeah you mentioned it being a kid's film which i think feeds well into my <laughs> the one high point for me um and i think i both of you guys have called me a monster before on this podcast for some of my <laughs> controversial statements, and you I are, so you are a monster. I, I think I think I uh, I think that might be about to happen again. Oh, <laughs> oh no. no! I think the scene with Anakin that I most enjoyed in the prequels because I thought there was a turn coming. I thought it was bringing on something cool. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. But this is oh, it's God. when he slaughters the Tuscan Raiders. No, and, oh, and starts okay. to do all the dark stuff. You yeah, know, yeah right. kill yeah, the yeah, young yeah. lanes like all. The horrific, you know, the things we hate him for, but I thought that there was a turn coming there. It's like, oh, he's going bad now. Like this is going to get real interesting, but it didn't.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that. But that again, tonally, like, what's going on with these films? You know, it's well, yeah. I I know kids film that that didn't fit at all. yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is it. And and so either you're making a kids film or you're not. And if you're not you know, great. Okay, fine. Why do you have a tiny hero? But if you are, and I know we're getting to this dark ending, and I know that's quite tough for any kids film to, to get to um, across the trilogy, but how on earth do you justify having that storyline that's basically about, you know, abduction and rape and, and murder? And mm. and it's it's horrifying. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, but that's all kind of Maybe it goes over kids' heads, and and certainly that's for the best if it does, but that's pretty horrific just to have in your film in the first place. It's tonally all over the place. They're just a mess. Mm. These films, they just don't work. I mean, you know, I know that George Lucas has accomplished more in his life than I ever will, and, you know, people will (laughs) say you shouldn't criticize him for this stuff, but come on, people. Like, this is bad.
0: Yeah. It really does feel like you mentioned earlier, Helen, and I've heard people talk about this before, but – you know, George was married when he did mm-hmm. A New Hope. Um, he had a lot of people around him and a lot of constraints. You and Daryl yeah. and I have talked about this before. And then in the prequels, it was like he could do whatever he wanted to, and he was going to make a million dollars, <throat> millions and millions and millions of dollars from it. Yeah. And so that lack of constraint was sort of just kind of like, eh, this is what I want to do. You know, like he's like,
2: all right, okay, <laughs> yeah. get me
1: a Coke Zero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think there's a lot to be said for creative limits, actually. And, yeah. and I know, you know. We sometimes and certainly some filmmakers ding Marvel for kind of setting constraints on people and limits on people and certainly some are probably more on earth than others. But also there's something to be said for having to fit into, you know, a limit, Um, being able to push certain things in certain directions, being able to certainly bring your own personality to something and your own point of view to something, but also ultimately having some constraints on you because otherwise, you know, sometimes what happens is the prequel trilogy.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly.
1: Um, hmm. Okay, one more Anakin question, but this one's sure. purely speculation, so it's, <laughs> yeah. it'll be fun. Um, so, Jay actually wrote this question. Star Wars has never <laughs> formally released a decision on whether or not Anakin was created by Palpatine or Plagueis. Mm. Um, do you prefer that he was created by midichlorians or by a Sith Lord, or do so, you have something else? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I actually wrote about this a little bit recently for Empire, so the, the new issue of Empire that's just about to come out. Um, spoiler, uh, is, uh, is a Star Wars special issue, obviously, for Rise of Skywalker. And we did a, a supplement on, you know, just the original film, on all the Star Wars films. And I was writing about Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi, and I was talking more generally about Vader as a character. And I put in a line where I said, I think it's it's very clearly implied that Palpatine created Vader, or Anakin, that Palpatine learned from Plagueis, because he says that his apprentice learned Plagueis' technique. Um, It's very clearly implied to my ears, at least, that that was Palpatine himself, or at least that he is an heir to that apprentice, potentially, um, but has learned the same technique, and that that is an acknowledgement of a weird kind of fatherhood to Anakin. I think, again, like I would say of most of the prequels, if that is the intention, I would, I would agree and I would completely acknowledge that it's not terribly well communicated because there is a lot of room for um, disagreement on that point. And I know a lot of people in the Empire office disagreed with me on it. Um, but I think that's the clear implication of that line that he has and that conversation in the opera box. Um, so I'm kind to believe that he was created by the sith and i think what's interesting if that is the case is that it's a it's a case of sith overreach that it's a case of them trying to bring about the destiny that they see for themselves and bringing about their own undoing in the same Mm. in the same act Um, and i think if that is the case then that's actually quite a potentially elegant piece of storytelling the only problem is it wasn't sufficiently communicated for that elegance to make any impression or to in any way convince (laughs) anybody of its existence. So, um, so maybe it, maybe it doesn't exist and maybe I'm, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I I am inclined to the Palpatine theory.
0: Um, so before I, before I fully answer this question, I have to know if I have to wait for my full answer to the aftercast or not. So are you, I know Daryl's caught up on the Mandalorian. I am. Are you, oh, I'm not. You're not? But go okay. ahead. Then I will no. save my full answer, because I have—I actually have a theory as it relates to things moving forward as well. Ah. Um, but uh, I will say that for this, in this regard, um, I think that, I mean, George Lucas does tell us one thing, and that is he that Anakin was um, created by midichlorians. He does not have a biological father. Like we know that much, right? Because yeah. that's said to us in the film, which then means that either the midi did that on their own. Midi for context, for um, for people who are like <laughs> not midi like all uh, all the midi <laughs> are are a measurement of uh, of the force. Uh, yeah, of a, of a cellular um, creature who
1: works with cells. Right. So you still haven't watched Community, right? No, I Helen. Still have you watched Community? Yes. So. I, I reference Community all the time, and Jay doesn't get it because no he hasn't yeah. watched it. But <laughs> there's a scene in Community when it's like a flashback, and it, uh. and it has Abed going to movie theaters, warning children not to go see, warning people not to <laughs> go see right. the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, and then he gets in trouble for it, and, and his dad comes and he's like, "What the hell are you doing?" And yeah. Abed goes, "Midi-Chlorians, Dad. Midi-Chlorians. <laughs> exactly."
0: Uh, and, and, that, and so, so midichlorians are basically just, uh, creatures that interact with cells, um, he, like human cells basically. And they're a measurement of how much the force is working within those cells. Uh, they're like a proxy for that measurement. Right? So, um, that was, that was my defense of midichlorians, which I don't believe I need, I want to defend in the first place. I'm just <laughs> saying it's we are, um, <laughs> but I'm assuming that, that, uh, in that regard, a, uh, Palpatine or Plagueis could take midichlorians and implant them, right? So I think it's it's very, uh, if they are creatures that can be manipulated and they can be placed inside other organic material, then technically, yeah, they can just be creating. And I think that's probably where some of the, I'm not familiar with the extended universe to the extent where I know about all the Palpatine clones and all this madness. Um, I know it's a lot, people are talking about that a lot these days with Palpatine probably showing up in, the rise of skywalker but uh i would tell you that that's probably the way that that is done from a force perspective is the manipulation of midichlorians so yeah that, that, that's kind anakin.
2: of what he says at the opera right
0: yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly so i think i agree with helen it's 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 sort of creepily implied that that's what happened to anakin um but they've never really landed that plane. So we'll see if they we'll see if they land it in the Rise of Skywalker or in some other material. Hmm. <laughs> what do you think?
1: I think one of my great privileges as a host <laughs> is the ability to <laughs> sidestep <laughs> questions that I know nothing about. Outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. I, um nor do I care. If we were talking about another <laughs> character, then I might care, but yeah. I don't care. Yeah. I, I don't know a whole lot about Plagueis and would probably have liked to have seen some on-screen version of that. That'd yeah. be cool. But, uh,
2: mm.
0: yeah, I don't well, know. Well, there's that. not a whole lot to be known about Plagueis anyways. Like, there's not a lot of Yeah. That...
2: Unless it turns up in a Knights of the Old Republic sort of a – if they do make one of these kind of older uh uh, films spin-offs, you know talk, there's mm. rumors that the uh, some of the upcoming trilogies might be kind of ancient history in Star Wars and mm. then maybe we'll know more about these kind of characters that would be interesting but you know I also hope that they kind of widen out the Star Wars universe and, and show us if it can survive beyond the Skywalker family
0: yeah yeah
1: totally okay for my next question I have a quick little clip that I'm going to play this is not a Star Wars clip or at least not from a Star Wars movie so here we go I'm doing this real low tech I'm holding my iPhone up <laughs> yeah. to the, uh, the microphone and I'm pushing the wrong button
0: I <laughs> not like movies not liking movies is like not liking puppies
1: they're fine I just get bored and never make it to the end the endings are the best part they're predictable like The guy gets the girl, and that kid sees dead people, and Darth Vader is Luke's father. Oh, right, so you just happened to guess the biggest cinematic reveal in history? Vader in German means father. His name is literally Darth Father.
0: (laughs) Huh. What is that from?
1: Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. Oh.
0: (laughs) I've seen Pitch Perfect. I don't remember that scene.
1: So, uh, before I ask this question, I'm going to admit that growing up, I had no context for the German language yeah. beyond Sie right. Deutsch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had no idea that Vader <laughs> meant father in German. So when I saw Pitch Perfect for the first time, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> did I miss that? <laughs> so my question is, do you guys remember the first time you experienced the reveal of Vader as Luke's father? Was it a surprise for you? What emotions did you feel? Let's talk about that big twist.
2: Well, I actually saw Return of the Jedi first. I saw Return of the Jedi in cinemas when I was very little, and then I saw Star Wars on TV a couple of years later, and then I saw Empire Strikes Back.
1: Do you feel like that was a failure on your parents' part?
2: (laughs) I think they did the best they could in bringing me to the cinema to see uh, Jedi, which I appreciate. Um, so, you know, no, I'm not, no stress here. You know, I'm not going to tell them all for that, but, but yeah, so it, it just felt like it was part of the fabric of my life from day one. I felt like I always knew that Vader was Luke's father, but at the same time I can see how it would have played just phenomenally like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. in a cinema. And, and I kind of love that they managed to keep that secret, even from David Prouse apparently who played Vader. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's astonishing um, so so yeah I, I, I'm still kind of in awe of it
0: hmm. yeah um, sort of similar I don't even remember when I saw the movies in what order I saw yeah. the movies like I Star Wars and my George Lucas in my childhood because Indiana Jones is a big thing uh, for me hmm. as a kid too. So George Lucas and my childhood are basically synonymous. I mean like <laughs> I I uh all I remember is as as far back as I can remember, um, <laughs> you know, my I had uh my brother is a couple of years younger than me. I have two brothers, but one of them is a couple of years younger than me. And I have a cousin who's in between the two of us, uh who's female. And so so Every single week, we'd go over to my granny's house, and it was just like, "I'm Han Solo, my brother's Luke Skywalker, and you're Princess Leia. Let's go, like you know, play (laughs) in the yard, you know." (laughs) Yeah. And um, granted, we we were fortunately young, uh, young enough and 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 uh, innocent enough not to have any weirdo love triangles like (laughs) they have in the the movies. But (laughs) I, I just so I, it, it was one of those things where it was just like it was just so synonymous with what I was thinking about consistently that I, it's all jumbled together for me. I don't remember when I saw w- what movie. Um, I don't remember if I saw them on TV first. My parents were pretty um, pretty conservative. so they weren't just showing us like all kinds of movies. So once we got a movie that we really loved that we like could g- kind of grasp onto, like we would watch that over and over and over again. So I've seen mm-hmm. them so many times. I can't even remember the first time I saw a reveal yeah. or which movie I saw first or
1: any of those things. Neither can I, I I do think, based on my nostalgia level of these movies, I I would suspect that I saw Empire Strikes Back first, mm. before any of the other ones. Mm. But um, I, I I was the same way as you Helen, Return of the Jedi was the only one that I saw in the theater, mm. and I know that, I, but I know that I had seen the other two mm. on right. video before going to see them, just before going to see Return of the Jedi. And I've got my own childhood memories too. Like my brother and I didn't play Star Wars, yeah. but mm-hmm. How dare would, you? How dare you, sir. <laughs> you wanna know what I, okay, I'll, I'll, I, w- I wasn't gonna share this, but you, <laughs> you backed me into a corner. <laughs> so we used, to, we used to go on trips to Colorado every summer mm. mm-hmm. and we would be there with like three or four other families. And there was a brother and sister in one of the families that we were there with and me and the two of them used to do kind of like what you did with Star Wars. yeah. But yeah, with yeah. us, it wasn't Star Wars. Uh-huh. It was something that you may not even have heard of. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty confident <laughs> Helen will have heard of this. But okay. it was V. I've never heard of that. <laughs> it, was, it was a TV show from the 80s okay. where aliens invaded who looked uh-huh. like lizards, but they had human skin. And...
0: Oh, you know what? I think I do know what this is. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So you were you running around as Han Solo? Is that who you were? Yeah, I was Han Solo. Because I was Mike mm. Donovan from <laughs> V. <laughs> <laughs> Mike Donovan. Uh, yeah. That wow. Epic.
2: See, the, the the stakes are really high if you're a girl and you're a Star Wars fan in those days, because it's true. I either was the first girl to join the gang and play Leia or I was out of luck, completely. Yeah. Like there were, n- there was no middle ground, there was no you can be chewy. Like it was Leia or you were out on your ear. It was really tough.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> it's really bad when you think about it that it way. It is. Like, oh yeah, that's not good. You're like, maybe I can m- be Mon Mothma? You're yeah. like, no, it's not gonna work. <laughs> no. I mean, even,
2: even she wasn't around until Jedi and then all she does that's is right. turn up and give them crucial information and go away again. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. Many Bothans died. But on those trips <sighs> to Colorado, we'd we'd take a, our motorhome, and my brother and I would ride in the back of the motorhome and watch the entire Star Wars trilogy. Oh, nice. Oh watch the entire Back to the Future trilogy. Oh, well done, sir. And watch the entire Indiana Jones trilogy. I take it <sighs> back. And I stress trilogy, because yeah. at that time, I, it I really d- was a trilogy. I'm not, aware. Trilogy, yeah. I'm not like aware of any fourth film. Just yes, like, yes, it like it is There's never been any other films, yeah. So I don't remember the initial reveal of that, but I've seen lots of YouTube videos of of parents showing, showing it, it, to, it their to their kids, yeah, kids yeah, yeah, and yeah, revealing dude, it yeah. and some of them are pretty shocked. <laughs> I know. So mm. I just don't know how you grow up in today's culture not mm. knowing that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father. No, you don't. In fact, um
0: First of all, I want to know how the German kids respond. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Oh yeah, obviously, he's um, his father." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's a given, dude. Um, but I will say that I have a I have a buddy of mine who I was just uh, we were we were on a trip together. So shout out to Mike if you're listening. Um, and he told Mike me, he Donovan? Yeah, <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike Donovan. Yeah, Mike Donovan. Donovan. I'm very close personal friends with Mike Donovan. <laughs> um and he was telling me that he's never actually seen any of the star wars films so i told him i said we should do mm-hmm. cause some some friends of mine did this on a podcast they watch the movies with them and just kind of interview them after the movies yeah. and just get some feel for yeah, it. i heard some of that too but he knew all the things like he's like i mean mm-hmm. i know that you know vader is luke's father it's like so it's so such a cultural thing yeah that it's so pervasive yeah i mean you'd have to get a little kid who literally had never heard of this before to Mm. to surprise them otherwise you're not being surprised you know and
2: even then they have to have not played like Lego Star Wars
1: exactly exactly you know
2: it's it's just out there in the culture
1: yeah crazy (laughs) yeah Um, okay now that we know that Vader is Luke's father we revealed (gasps) that it's a big you know it's an exclusive here on the story geeks podcast (laughs) why does Vader want Luke to rule the galaxy alongside him as father and son Mm. what do you think I
2: I think those scenes actually are very, very revealing, and I think they're really well played. Actually, it's 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 a search for uh, God. I've forgotten the word. Hang on. I'm just going to yeah. It's a, it's a search for kind of acceptance, and it's a search for like affirmation that he made the right choice all those years ago. Um, it's it's really a plea to Luke mm. to. Essentially tell him he's okay. And, and I think you get a sense in that conversation, you know, when he's bringing him to the Emperor and Endor and Luke's kind of saying, you know, you don't have to do this the whole way while going along and offering no resistance. You get a real sense of how lonely Vader's been and how isolated and how I think miserable his life has been in the 20 years or so since uh, Revenge of the Sith, you know, because it's just been pure war. Obviously, he thinks he's lost the only woman. Well, he did lose the only woman he ever loved. Um, He lost his kids. He lost everything. He lost his arms and legs. Um, And you get the sense of how that that he maybe he has had doubts all that time. That he's been doing what the emperor told him. That he's been fighting all these wars. But maybe he wasn't sure that he was right. So he needs Luke. He needs Luke's um, Luke to go along with him to be sure that he's done the right thing. And I think it's actually it's a it's a really really good insight into Vader's lack of certainty in himself. I think.
3: Mm
0: yeah i I agree with that a hundred percent. they're really great scenes. And I do think that if you were gonna um I apologize for bringing the prequels back up, Daryl, but uh, <laughs> if you were gonna as you should as as you go back into the prequel era, that is maybe. If you look at these scenes and the prequel era, that is the one area where there's some connection to understanding Anakin to Vader as a transition. Sure. Mm. Because of what Helen just talked about, he did lose the only woman that he ever loved. He knew that she was, um, I think it was revealed to him afterwards that she was pregnant and that he would have two kids that are off somewhere. And then he really does spend this whole existence of, I thought what I was trying to do was save my family And create order in the galaxy, so that this wouldn't happen to other people. And instead, what I got wrapped up into is this whole, you know, massive empire thing. Um, And now I'm basically the the number one right hand dude to the most evil person in the galaxy. And if you don't (laughs) believe that, they'll just tell you in the crawl. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, he's horrible. (laughs) It's pretty clear. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, And so I think that this is the this is the connective tissue between those two films. Like. He if if anybody was going to come back and, you know, he was going to see why he got involved in this in the first place, you know, this is what it would be. It would be I got involved in this in the first place because of family and here's family Yeah, to save my family. Yeah. Yeah. And because he doesn't really know another way, it's like, well, join me then. Because then together as family, we can be good to go. And then we can Mm. put our will on other people. Mm. Um, And I think that's, which is kind of what he was trying to do before anyways, right? So it's kind of a flashback to that prior, like, oh, wait, I have a hope of getting out of this. But his way of getting out isn't giving up control like he does finally in the end. It is actually taking more control just with Luke at his side.
3: Mm.
2: But it's even more complicated than that because in that, less so in in Empire Strikes Back but in Return of the Jedi it's a three way battle and it is Mm. a psychological battle even more than it's physical Mm. because whoever stays loyal to whoever else kind of wins it's this weird three mexican standoff if if Mm. luke sides with the emperor then vader's done if if vader's Mm. and luke stick together then the emperor is done if uh the emperor and vader stay together and then luke is finished it's it's a sort of all stakes battle between all three of them and all three of them know it and all three of them walk into that room knowing it Mm. and all three of them are convinced that they can talk the other guy around Mm. It's really clever. It's why I, I, any any time anyone slags off Jedi and says it's the you know the weakest of the three. I mean, maybe it's the weakest of the th- three given how good the other two are, but it is not a weak film, and it is n- in no way comparable to the prequels because that final that final three way battle, in as alongside the giant space battle and the Endor battle is a stunning piece of cinema. It's absolutely fantastic. But the but the psychological battle between the three of them at the heart of that is incredible.
0: Yeah, excellent point. That's fantastic.
1: I I can't say any of it better than you guys just did. The the two little things that I will add are I remember when I was a kid watching these movies and watching Vader trying to get Luke to join him. I didn't yeah. think anything of it because yeah. that's a trope, right? Mm, like mm, the villain yeah. wants the hero to come to the dark side and join yeah, them. True. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, that's what happens. That's what villains want, (laughs) you know? Now, (laughs) the older I get, the more I understand, obviously. But one of the ways that I kind of relate to it now, because now I'm a parent, you Mm. know? Now I have two sons. And granted, I'm not out there committing genocide and trying to rule the galaxy with an evil empire or anything like that. Only on Tuesdays, right? Only on Tuesdays. (laughs) But but I can be a jerk, I can Mm. lose my temper, and I can be impatient with my children. Mm. And I can do things that are not good and not fair to them. And when those times happen, like say I'm say I overreact to something, I lose my patience mm. and I send my son to his room unfairly. Yeah. It's like within five minutes, I'm like, all I want to do is go spend time with my son now. Right. You know, right. it's like you immediately want that connection back mm. when you've broken it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I kind of relate to it in that way. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Vader, I mean, you talked about the three-way battle at the end of Jedi, Helen. Mm -hmm. Vader famously ends up finding redemption when he overthrows, or throws over, the (laughs) Emperor and saves Luke's (laughs) life. Um, How do you guys feel about that development, about him finding that redemption? Is it true redemption? We've got an episode coming up later in the series where we're going to talk about redemption for the entire episode, yeah. but we can dip our toe into it a little bit right now. So Helen, what did you think of that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's an element of, uh, you know, it's not a whole scale uh, um, rejection of the emperor's political system necessarily, or, you know, that we're aware of. He doesn't sort of go in, I see now that I was wrong to <laughs> set up a, a fascist state that oppresses people across the galaxy. Um what it is—it's portrayed as a more personal battle. It's portrayed as him choosing the his love for his son over his mentor and his his father figure, and that is uh, that 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 is a form of redemption in itself. That is a form of of you know. Uh, recovery of of some spark of goodness in him and and some some sense that he needs to protect someone um, and not just be the right hand man of this of this kind of monster Um, yeah we don't know for sure that it is a full redemption Uh, he certainly didn't atone for all the damage he's presumably done to thousands maybe millions of people over the years um, but at the same time, we don't know that he didn't. Um, I, I, I mean, I was raised Catholic. So at this point, you know, you're sort of giving people maybe the benefit of the doubt because there's a bit of self-sacrifice there. And that mm-hmm. obviously plays like plays like gangbusters with Catholics. Um, so <laughs> so I'm inclined to to take it as a whole scale. Redemption as a whole scale atonement for everything that he did uh, as an effort to put right what he put wrong. Um, but I, but yeah, you're right. It's not entirely made clear on screen.
0: Hmm. Redemption is such a tricky topic. I did, I did, a, um, I did these things called daily journals, uh, almost daily journals, cause I don't do them every day. And, uh, <laughs> I, I actually started reading, um, the definitions, the formal definitions of the word redemption and then applying mm-hmm. them to, and I was applying, I was giving examples, so I was giving this as one of the examples. And the interesting thing about redemption is that. You have two guiding principles when you're making a decision about redemption. One is a metaphysical one, um, or a supernatural one, or a spiritual one, and the other is a more physical, like actually looking at a uh, uh, scales and weights and saying, like, okay, well, did you redeem this? Right, like, and the, and the formal, I mean, the the, the uh, etymology, the word's coming from redeem, meaning like you're giving your ticket in, like I hear yeah, like it's a transactional, ticket, it's a, yeah, exactly. Yeah so does he is he redeemed well obviously george lucas is telling us that he is because when we see him again he's he's a force ghost and light side we've never seen a sith force ghost not to say that they don't exist we might see one in the rise of skywalker but -hmm. up until that point like he's light side he's with the other force ghosts he's one with the force the force has redeemed him in terms of it not like just sending him into oblivion right um yeah and so I think that it's pretty clear that we're supposed to see him as redeemed. Then the question is, well, in the ledger, so to speak, right, we'll go a little bit Natasha Romanoff on this one. Um, <laughs> is, is he recovering? Is he, is has he done enough? Is vanquishing the empire, the emperor, is that enough to account for his prior infractions mm-hmm. on the, in the ledger? And I think, probably without the prequels, we would just go, yeah, seems like enough. Like he was a bad dude doing bad things, but he did decide to change his mind. Certainly on the meso- metaphysical side, we can go along with Lucas because we can basically say a lot A lot of people who have spiritual perspectives do see a difference between belief and intent and actual behavior, right? Like, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. For, and that's caused a lot of problems in history. So that's the whole other argument, <laughs> but, uh, but we, but a lot of us, the, do believe in more metaphysical things would agree that that's something to to consider yes. um but uh if you look back i think the prequels one of the things the prequels do is i mean he slaughters a room full of kids he slaughters tuscan yeah. ra- raiders not just the men but the women and children too mm-hmm. right like and i think if you look at that and you go well is that okay to just kill the one baddest guy having done those things from a physical ledger standpoint, I'm not sure I can fully redeem him. So some of it's going to depend a little bit on your perspectives. Are you willing to like suspend your disbelief with the force and say that there is a spiritual component there? Hmm. Okay. That's one answer. But if you're not, if you're not willing to do that, then I would find it pretty hard to find his last actions acceptable of clearing out the rest of the ledger in the past.
2: I mean, ledger wise, just numbers wise, I I don't think it's redemption. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, But it's, but it's not quite that, that, Stark, right. um, if you'll forgive the Avengers <laughs> pun, um, in in most kind of in most religions and in most metaphysical uh, spheres. So so yeah. So I guess I guess every person of every religion would probably have a slightly different answer on that. But at the same time, in terms of intention, in terms of maybe reconnecting with his goodness and reconnecting with his higher uh, uh, higher meaning self, higher aspiring self. Mm. Uh, then th- then there is at least some form of redemption
3: yeah
0: exactly
1: so here's what I think and I'm not scheduled to be on the redemption episode that's coming up later so I'll <laughs> throw right. my two cents in Yeah, now. exactly Daryl won't be with me <laughs> but um, every time I hear people talk about redemption especially in Star Wars films and especially the argument of do we want Kylo to find redemption or not oh yeah those yeah. kinds of mm. things it seems like an impossible question to me because it seems like there's an attempt for some sort of universal redemption like mm-hmm. mm. if you say do we want kylo to find redemption that means okay in whose eyes in ray's eyes in your eyes in every star wars fan mm. in the world's eyes yeah. like yeah. it's so hard to judge that because it's just this universal term mm-hmm. but like you said it's a transactional term so when you really break it down mm. It's not a universal term. It's about who they're trying to find redemption with. Mm. Mm. So I feel like you have, you really have to be more personal about it. So did Vader find redemption in that moment with Luke? Mm. Maybe he did. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on Luke's perspective. Sure. Yeah. Did Luke know I think that Luke... he murdered a bunch of children when he was younger? Maybe he didn't know that. <laughs> you know? He may
2: not have known about that specific crime, but he certainly knew about Vader and right. who Vader was. Yeah. Um, and and he certainly seemed to accept it as redemption in terms of the the funeral that he gave him, the, the compassion he showed him as he was dying. Yeah. So I think if it's in if it's in Luke's eyes, then the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, but, but then that's always been another issue, hasn't it, of, you know, discussed in religions around the world and probably slightly beyond our pay grade, which is the, the question of, you know, if you are forgiven by a good man, does that make you worthy of forgiveness or does that just make him a saint, you, you know? Right. Are you are you redeemed by that or are you redeemed by, by some sort of objective standard, you know? So it, that's getting into, again, thorny, thorny territory. Yeah. Um, it is hard to see at this point how Kylo comes back from everything he's done, but you know, has he done much worse than Luke so far? Or sorry, rather, <laughs> not not Luke, but has right. he done much worse than Vader? And if we if we think Vader was redeemed, then surely Kylo can be too.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I, I, it would be fun to see people talk about it more in those direct mm. terms you know like yeah because yeah like you mentioned religion stuff like am i redeemed to the god that i believe in right well there's specific parameters for that too depending on your religion yeah. right and depending right. on your yeah. faith and that if you are that doesn't mean that your friend that you betrayed <laughs> is going to feel yeah. like you're redeemed <laughs> to them you know right. exactly so, yeah right.
2: and in fact that friend might feel betrayed by your religion for forgiving you sure yeah which, exactly you know, sure so yeah yeah it's, it's it's a complicated issue oh my yeah. god
1: yeah but if if i'm asking the question specifically do i think vader was redeemed to luke yeah. in that scene i mm. kind of think he was maybe yeah. not in a healthy fashion because i think luke's <laughs> obsession with finding the good in him yeah. may not have been 100 percent healthy <laughs> yeah. so that may have been part of like luke was like i did it i i'm right oh <laughs> you <know>? yeah Giving <laughs> so, him
0: extra confidence that was shattered in. yeah
1: but as a kid watching these movies, he absolutely was redeemed. I'm like, oh, yeah. he, he took out the bad guy. He's on the good side yeah. now, you yeah. know? Yeah. yeah. And that's how a lot of these things are. Like, you look at the Fast and Furious franchise and stuff like that. Somebody can do <laughs> horrific things but then be part of the family by the end of the movie. Oh, you my know? God. Oh, my so, God, I'm Jason looking at Statham. you, Jason Statham. Uh,
2: <laughs> it was such a good bad guy introduction. And then they just threw it all away. He, why?
1: Jason Statham is just as bad as Kylo Ren. <laughs> do you know why? He is. He also killed Han. Oh,
2: boy. He oh, boy. did. Han Solo. Han he Solo, Han That's Solo. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Here's me groaning oh. about that. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> no, it is true. It is true. And they, he's just like, no one cares. It is true. I mean,
2: unless and until they bring back Han Solo, we I do know. not forgive Jason Statham for that. You know, Hobbs. Sure. Yeah.
1: No, or the transporter series. Um,
0: <laughs> one more, one more point before you yeah, yeah. on, Just because this is this will be a preview for the redemption episode, right? Okay. Um, I think that one of the things that is a little bit uh, there's two things playing in Star Wars that are a little confusing, um, and the the Freddie Prince meltdown kind of reveals this a little bit. <laughs> we have um, to mention it, no? We? Yeah, yeah, we have to mention it, um, and that is that star wars continues to tell you over and over again that some people are evil and some people are good yeah um it even creates dark and light sides mm-hmm. but then it also tells you that um then it also tells you that balance is not only just a thing that happens which which i think we'd all agree with like chaos and order and like bad things happen sure. like this just happens but it also tells you that balance is really good right and so that that creates without a lot of without explaining what balance mm. technically is, is. <laughs> right? And so that creates a lot of confusion because in the crawl they will literally tell you who's bad and who's good. They will literally yeah. reiterate that to you throughout. They will literally you root for the good guys to overcome the bad guys. And then at the end of the day they're like, "But balance is good." And you're <laughs> yeah, like, I've ah. always had
2: I've always had a problem with their use of balance, bringing balance to the force. Yes. So because have
3: we? <laughs>
2: if we take Yeah, cuz if we take Vader's life as bringing balance to the Force, right? Right. Then the balance that it is is zero Sith and one Jedi. Yes. At the end of Return of the Jedi, or or you know the the, the capacity perhaps to make more Jedi. So balance is only light side. Yes. Which makes no sense. Right. Because balance implies two sides and a balance between <laughs> right.
0: them. Right. Exactly.
2: So that whole, I mean, again, this is kind of the thing that a screenwriter of greater perhaps subtlety than george lucas might have quibbled with and might have kind of discussed a bit more because the b- idea of bringing balance the force this is not what he does and if you're going to have a prophecy in your film about your hero it or anti-hero as the case may be you have to deliver the prophecy and right. therefore you have to understand what the hell the prophecy is prophecy is saying and i don't think <laughs> exactly. they do in star wars it's really annoying exactly <laughs> now <laughs> Having said all that, maybe at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, we will suddenly understand what that means. Mm. And maybe we'll see that it didn't just refer to um, Anakin himself, but to his son's son and daughter as well, Mm. somehow, Mm. maybe even grandson. I don't know. Mm. But. It is incredibly annoying as things stand, and has been annoying for twenty years now. Yeah, so, right. I, they really have to justify it if they're going to deliver on that.
0: Absolutely. So that's my that's my like just just subtle pitch for listening to the Redemption episode, so,
2: <laughs> oh, which I'm, is I'm, in I, a couple I, of weeks. I think. Yeah. That sounds very exciting. I, I love the idea that I can't remember what it's from. Uh, somebody was saying when you're pitching a film idea, you should just pause at the end and go, you know, in the end. I guess it's about redemption, (laughs) and that's the way that that you'll sell it to any exec in town. I don't know if that came from the player or from one of William Goldman's books, (laughs) but it's always stuck with me. You know, it's about redemption. (laughs) (laughs) That's
1: awesome. Okay, let's look ahead a little bit. Um, Even long after Vader's death, his presence is still looming over the Star Wars universe, primarily in Kylo. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first things Rey ever says to Kylo in The Force Awakens is, You're afraid you'll never be as strong as Darth Vader. So, why does Kylo want so badly to be like Vader?
2: He's such a fanboy. <laughs> I kind of I love that Kylo is the. He's kind of the, the Star Wars version and the, the immensely force powered version of uh, an internet troll of the worst side of fanboyism, of just uh, toxic online culture, you know? He's the guy who has glommed onto the villain of the saga mm-hmm. and decided that that's the guy for me. That's the real hero here. And he has kind of completely failed to learn the message of the story uh, in order to, to kind of do that. Um, and And yet he is extremely, he has this power and he has this presence and he has these abilities And therefore, you know, he has the capacity to make a real problem for a whole load of other people when he does that. Um, So it's kind of this mixture of kind of pathetic, misguided boyishness and extremely, uh, you know, masculine power um, at the same time. And and it's an incredibly toxic and dangerous mix. And it just works so well for me. And it works so well as a commentary. And I'm not saying this is what J.J. Abrams necessarily intended, but this is something certainly I see in it. It's a commentary on all of that toxic fanboy culture, not saying all fanboy culture is toxic, just that there is a toxic strain, um, and and that, that attacks anybody that, that dares question its existence and dares question its rightness and dares question its, its you know, um, ca- canonicity, I guess, I don't know, but it's, I, I just think it's such a clever way of setting up your villain or antihero in your in your new trilogy—that's a—that's a, you know, a, a sequel to the original—and I think it is such. Uh, it's a much much more intelligent way of setting things up than the prequels instantly, and it's the kind of thing he's the kind of figure that would have worked really well as an origin story for Darth Vader, like if you put Kylo in the prequels. <laughs> imagine genuinely you would instantly have a much much better film Mm. um so to have him here i think works so so well he is the single most exciting thing about the new star wars films um the single thing that works best no disrespect to ray no disrespect to poe or finn or any of the rest but he is the thing that makes them work and i think he's brilliant Mm.
1: I don't know. We could throw a little disrespect to Finn. I think that's fair. <laughs> Finn. Oh, man. Oh, it's not useful. They didn't give Finn, him enough buddy. last
0: time.
3: Oh.
0: Yeah, that's, you are a monster, dude. <laughs> yeah.
3: Monster um, once again.
0: Yeah. What are you. What problem. We we're going to have that whole podcast about what problem Daryl <laughs> has with Finn. Um, I, so I think. Uh, there's not much there. I just <laughs> wanted to be a monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I will say a couple things. I think that. Um, in regards to his presence, I think that they're trying to bring... First of all, J.J. was trying to bring up all the nostalgia possible when he was mm. doing his film, sure. right? Like he was just drawing from every sense of nostalgia he could possibly draw from. Yeah, um, it's like a remix. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and and I think it works fantastic. I know some people think it's mm. derivative and, and they don't like it, but I think it's derivative and it's great. Um, <laughs> the only thing I would say... Uh, in regards to this is this is oddly me complimenting the prequels again which I did not think I was gonna do what you monster yeah yeah I know (laughs) now I'm the monster Um, I would say that George did give Anakin a reason to want to control the galaxy that it gets mixed up. Mm. Okay. So let me just, let me just play something for a second. A lot of times when you see villains, they were personally hurt by other individuals and that personal hurt makes them want to hurt others. Right. And they become Mm -hmm. sort of like a force for chaos. It's kind of like a Joker kind of a mentality. Right. So usually
2: talk about the Joker. What's that? Let's not talk. Oh about yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, by the way, that's not me talking about the film because I haven't seen the film. I'm I. About, okay. Yeah, I'm talking about like more of like you know like uh, the dark bask
2: in your glorious ignorance. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's a
1: chosen ignorance. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Correct. So th- there's a, there's a there's a concept of like those who are hurt will hurt others, right? hmm But for the person to to say, actually, no, I want to form order and control not in the not in just terms of hurting other people but in like controlling an entire galaxy of, of people it feels like there needs to be a systemic hurt to them as well um <laughs> and yeah. technically anakin has that because anakin was a slave um in on on the on the planet that he was found on tatooine right he's on mm. tatooine at the time Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see then a reason for him to say no. I have to root all of that out of the galaxy.
1: I have to, I have to take but control. Then, of more. Except when we find him on Tatooine yeah, Katu- except- in the prequels, he's perfectly happy. Like he's, <laughs> he's not oppressed because he's, well, he's totally
3: fine.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, One no, pretty bad.
2: The thing I would say about Kylo, though, in in contrast to that, is that he is attacked certainly as he sees it as he understands it by luke Mm. luke represents more than any other single person in his life even even his mother the rebellion Mm. um uh, the opposite of the empire therefore he aligns himself with the opposite of that which is the closest he can get to the empire yeah um so there is a certain perverted logic to it. And that would feed then into why he displaces his uncle from his affections, from his place as, as a hero and as a, as a, you know, mentor, and takes up with his uncle's opponent, his grandfather, and, and fixes on him as the figure that he then wants to be.
0: Yeah, and, and to our point earlier, I think this is the benefit of not revealing every single thing that has ever happened to the character in the character's backstory. Mm because I don't need to believe any of those things about why Kylo's doing what he's doing. I just need to know that he's very upset. He wants to burn the galaxy down and start over again. And they give us enough reasons about why he might feel that way for me to go, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. Um, So what's interesting is, I think that if you say Kylo's character right now, Vader in the original trilogy only, or Vader Mm -hmm. Anakin in his whole lifetime, which is sort of what this podcast is about. I would say like mm-hmm. Vader's whole lifetime reveal hurts his character. Vader in the original trilogy, fantastic villain. We believe yes. that he's redeemed. And then you have yes. Kylo right now, fantastic villain. We, we like yep. where he's at and we and we kind of hope that he's redeemed, I think. So it's just an interesting one because I don't know that they've given us all the reasons why Kylo might feel the way he does, but I don't want to know all the reasons Kylo feels the way he does. I don't, yeah. we don't need <laughs> those things to want to root for
1: characters to do different
0: activities and behaviors. Mm.
1: So, yeah, I'm, I'm largely in that camp too. Like, mm. it does seem that there's a piece of information missing. We yeah. don't know why Kylo is as effed up as he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think
0: some of that, just just for context, is Snoke
1: because they keep saying sure. Snoke's controlling, mm-hmm. Snoke's controlling, sure. Snoke's.
0: and I think that that's true.
1: But like, if we look at, like, what would make him turn to the dark side? If we look at Han and Leia as his parents, yeah, sure, mm. there's gonna be, there's bound to be some dysfunction there, and they're not gonna be the perfect parents, right? But I yeah. don't think it's gonna be something so severe that would drive him to pursue evil, yeah and yes blue Luke, milk again mom i know i'm turning to dark side <laughs> you're such a scoundrel dad <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly
2: no but i do think there's an argument that both his parents were perhaps at times at least more concerned with the rebellion more concerned with politics more sure. concerned with the absolutely, big picture yes, than absolutely. they might have been with him yeah uh, so we we could have had an element of him being feeling overlooked feeling put aside Um, certainly we know he isn't a big enough ego to take offense at perceived slights and so it kind of feels like that you know a little bit of bad parenting could have gone a long way with him and then being sent off to his uncle we don't know what age we don't know how long he was there with Luke before the the, the flashbacks we've seen uh, in The Last Jedi yeah you know he could have been there for a long time he could have felt abandoned he could have felt shoved aside by his parents and then when Luke compounds that betrayal compounds that abandonment with 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 the attack that kylo perceived on himself then then really where else does he go yeah well he goes to the opposite of all of them
1: Hmm. i do still
2: think though
1: i don't know this gets into a little bit of a i'm I'm not usually one for predictions of what's going to happen in movies to come but (laughs) i i have this thought in my head that i'll just throw it out For me, it does still feel like there's some piece of information missing. Mm. And part of me doesn't want that information because I like the mystery. (laughs) But part of me also wonders what if something was planted in him or some sort of influence Mm. was put upon him in a mysterious fashion to make him like twist that way yeah totally and what if we maybe. are going to learn that that influence came from Palpatine yeah and that's maybe, why he's yeah. in the rise of Skywalker yeah mm. and then that could lead it's into possible. this whole thing where maybe Kylo he doesn't get redeemed like he knows that he's been damaged and that can't be fixed yeah but maybe he does something to save at least people. knowing can, what has happened to him maybe he does yeah. something good at the end of the movie being like I'm yeah.
2: I, I do think as well, I mean, I I wonder how much um, the film we were going to see was, was changed by the death of Carrie Fisher, yeah, because it felt very absolutely. much as though, you know, the, the first film was, was this confrontation with Han was its big emotional centre. The second film, that big confrontation with, with Luke, was the emotional centre. And I wonder if... You know, essentially, not quite Kylo versus his mum would be the the finale, but but it felt like that was going to be a really important scene that we hadn't seen yet, Mm. and and I wonder if there's a way to get around that. I mean, it might be as simple as sort of Luke's Force Ghost or something like that, but but it really felt like there was that they were building something for Carrie to really do with him. And I'm, I'm very upset that we'll never see that.
1: Well, I've seen posts indicating that she was meant to be the last Jedi, right? Like that mm. was yeah. their original idea, was oh, that that right? the last Jedi oh, was going to be Leia.
0: I do think it's, oh. it's very possible, too, if you're reintroducing Palpatine. And we don't know what context they're reintroducing him in. And sure.
1: we haven't seen him yet. Yeah, we just heard his voice.
0: Exactly. Yeah. It looks like he, we may be seeing the back of his head in that one clip yeah. or whatever. But yeah. Um I think that it it is entirely possible that with Palpatine's level of power and his level of strategic insight on how to like manipulate everyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I do think it is it is theoretically possible that like maybe Snoke is just the entire time is a projection. Yeah. And this and he's using that projection to manipulate Kylo Ren, you know, like this whole time, there's never been a Snoke. Yeah. There's, why was it yeah. so easy for him to kill Snoke? Because
1: basically, Palpatine was like, "This is how I turn you even further." You know, yeah. like, um, or Snoke is actually a real person. Yeah. But the only time we've really seen Snoke was in the throne room, and all of the projections exactly. of Snoke were Palpatine. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, Kylo has had somebody in his ear this entire time, going. Vader's a Vader's a good guy he didn't turn at the end no 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 no. he would never turn at the end you know like
1: granddad loves you
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) if no one else loves you
1: granddad loves you um so anyways yeah it'd be interesting to see
2: yeah definitely
1: um that's pretty much the questions i have is there anything else you guys want to throw out there about vader on screen or any other ways that vader is sort of looming over the future of the star wars universe Anything else you want to say?
2: Well, I I haven't seen the Mandalorian yet, but but I'm in I'm really intrigued to see how they develop beyond the Skywalker family as, as as they try to widen out this this universe. And I think what they've kind of learned I think from the the Han Solo movie and and even to an extent from Rogue One is that we do want to push the story out. We want to know if the Star Wars universe can kind of exist and flourish without characters that we've already seen mm, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'm still, I'm, I'm still not sure that question has been answered, and and I hope that it will be answered in the affirmative. I hope that it is possible, because I think there is potential in this universe, and it just needs to be kind of found, mm, yeah. <laughs> and um, and we need to find out how far we can go and still feel Star Warsy, yeah. without, you know, without necessarily being Skywalkery. Hmm. Yeah, I, but I hope they do.
1: I certainly won't spoil anything for you about the Mandalorian, but. Based on the first three episodes, it certainly feels possible. Oh, it's excellent! <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. good. Yeah, and it feels very, very Star Warsy. Yes. It really does. Mm. So. It's
0: magnificent. Yeah, John Favreau and Disney are basically just money makers. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so. good,
1: good movie, good storytellers. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: very much so.
0: So, I think uh, it's in terms of Vader from a character focused standpoint, like we talked about, he, he's a fascinating character. What's interesting is without the prequels, he might be making some of our top fives. Maybe not our top three, you know, but he might even yeah. be making some of our top fives. Um, uh, I think that they should probably, I think it would be good for Star Wars, especially when they're dealing with um, future projects, projects that take place after Return of the Jedi, I think that they should consistently do callbacks, just because as a part of even just uh, society and culture, when we start to lose a sense of what came before us, I think we mm. lose, uh, We lose as soon as we lose narratives about World War II, we lose narratives about why being a Nazi is so horrific and so horrible. Yeah. Um, Why turning against other people in benefit of your own color and race and creed is such a terrible thing to have happen. And I feel like those things are not only true in real life, but they're true in the narratives that we create in in stories and they can make those stories more real. And so I, I hope that the legacy of Vader, so to speak, um, carries on throughout the, the we we see it a little bit in Kylo, but we haven't really seen mm. a ton of it, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the more we can point to those things, I think the better we can really ingrain in us, like, let's look for those things in, in actual society and culture so that we can point to, yeah. do you know that they're actually using... Um, the Axis powers as like a, a metaphor for what the Empire is? Like, do you know yeah, that that's yeah. going on? And then these become real lessons for real people. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I think it. Vader should have a legacy because it's a I th- I bad think, legacy.
2: <laughs> I think that's really true. I think that's really right. And I think as well that the... Um, there is a model that works. Like I feel like if you look at the first couple of seasons of the Netflix Marvel shows, right, mm. where they peppered it with references to, you know, the incidents. Uh, They peppered it with stuff like, well, there was all this demolition. So there's all this building going on. Well, there's all this building going on. So there are all these contracts up for grabs, you know, and they sort of, they, they layered up the universe. So it felt real and it made, you know, the invasion of ridiculous aliens in Avengers (laughs) feel like something that actually happened to people who we would recognize. And I think there's, there's ways to layer up stuff like that. So it feels, you get to see the weight of it and you get to see the reality of what it means to, to be the empire and to be under the yoke of the empire and i hope I mean, you guys know better than i do but i hope that that's what the mandalorian is doing it um, is. <laughs>
3: yeah. that it's showing yeah. <laughs> you
2: the weight of being under the empire's rule, so you understand what it means to be under essentially a fascist regime exactly. um, so so exa- i think that's that that kind of stuff is really really important and as you say absolutely we've got to keep repeating history or we won't learn from it and these people who don't know what the holocaust is who don't know what world war Two was who don't know who what a fascist is they're not going to be on guard to stop those people doing it again and, and that's what we absolutely need to have so if we can't agree on a common narrative for our society in our news programs which is bad we can at least <laughs> Maybe we can at least agree on a common narrative for our society in our fiction, and we can at least find uh, the grounds for understanding what freedom it looks like and what fascism looks like in our fiction. And maybe that will be something to work with when we then turn to the news and we turn to reality and, tr- and try and see what's happening. Exactly. I hope.
1: Same. <laughs> that was beautiful. Ah. <laughs> <I> mean... <Aww. laughs> Helen, you are a story geek. I, mean, <laughs> oh, I am too. I am. This is why we eye. love to keep having you back. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
2: it's always fun to get into.
1: <laughs> well, I think that's it for our show. Before we go, Helen, um, remind everybody where they can find Empire, remind them what you guys are doing mm-hmm. over there, all the greatness that is at the Empire podcast.
2: Yeah, so the Empire podcast is out every week, uh, basically wherever you get your podcasts. We should be there. Um, we are obviously also a monthly magazine. We're based in the UK, but you can find it elsewhere uh, in the US. I know it's on sale in bigger news agents. Barnes & Noble um, does have and it. Mm. There you go. Uh, and we're online as well, but honestly our website isn't that great, so don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, we do have a, a big Star Wars issue actually coming up, so um, I think it gets to you a couple of weeks later than it, it leaves here. So it'll be out here next Thursday, so give it, a, give it a couple of weeks after that sometime mid-December, just in time, in fact, for the release. It should really hit uh, U.S. shelves. Um, and yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter at Helen L. O'Hara, and I have a couple of books out um, about eighties movies and superhero movies. Um,
1: did the superhero movie book come out?
2: The superhero movie book is out. I actually don't know if it's in the US. Okay. So, uh, but it's called the Ultimate Superhero Movie Guide, and um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty pleased with how it turned out. I think they did a really good job with the design on this one. It's oh, lovely.
1: I'm gonna hunt that down. The eighties movie book for our listeners, if you guys haven't, if you haven't found that yet, go find it yeah and by the way (laughs) with with the holidays coming up it's sort of the perfect time to buy it for your
0: family and friends
2: there you go yeah Yeah, it's a a good book for one of those people if you've got those people to buy for who like movies but you don't really know what they need it's that kind of a book
1: but seriously like the way that you break the movies down and categorize them and group them and stuff like that I've never seen anybody else do things that way and it's super super cool oh thank you That's it for today's show. Special thanks
0: again to the Geek Queen, Helen O'Hara, for joining us. We've still got a bunch more shows in our Star Wars series, so don't miss any of our upcoming shows. Subscribe today on your preferred podcast provider. If you're watching The Mandalorian on Disney+, be sure to check out our second podcast channel, The Story Geeks Talk Disney+. We're breaking down every episode of The Mandalorian right after they come out. And if you want to vote on upcoming show topics, get access to our discussion questions and prompts, or even join us live while we record the podcast, please consider becoming a member of the Story Geeks Club. For more information, visit thestorygeeks.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, question everything in your favorite geek stories and always seek the truth. Special thanks again to all the members of our Story Geeks Club. This week we're celebrating Ray DeLeon. He just increased his monthly support, which puts him in the Cosmic Hero Tier, and also means that we get to have him as a guest on one of our upcoming aftercasts. You can become a member of the StoryGeeks Club starting at only two dollars a month at our friendly neighborhood Story Geek Tier, or upgrade to our three dollars a month tier, which we call Earth's Mightiest Club members, and vote on upcoming show topics and get access to our live shows when we're able to record them. At $5 a month, we do a special thank you to all of our Guardians of the Solar System Club members. They receive our discussion questions and prompts before each show comes out. Our Guardians of the Solar System Club members are Adam Vargas, Bob Sherfield, Justin Weaver, Mary Baldwin, and Wade Johnson. And of course, as I mentioned, Ray just joined our Cosmic Heroes. At $8 a month, you get to occasionally join us on one of our aftercasts. Our cosmic heroes are Jim Baldwin, Monty Thigpen, Nick Prokop, and Ray DeLeon. And special thanks to our extra special mastermind of multiverse madness, Connie Moe, who could be on our aftercasts every single month if she wanted. We appreciate all the members of the Story Geeks Club, even those we haven't mentioned by name. If you would like to support the show by joining the Story Geeks Club, please head over to thestorygeeks.com.